Welcome to this week's episode of our mini-series, Border Surveillance, I'm Edin Omanovic. There are literally hundreds of companies all over the world which develop and sell surveillance technologies which are used to spy on people, their phones and the internet, making everything from malware which is used by governments to hack into phones to mass internet surveillance tools which can monitor entire countries' internet traffic. One of the main producers of this technology is Italy, which has been home to some of the most infamous surveillance companies in the industry. To find out why, I spoke to two investigative journalists, Lorenzo and Ricardo from Irpi Media, who have been digging into some of the most important companies, tracking this industry, and how it's managed to thrive by capturing government decision-making. Enjoy. Okay, Ricardo and Lorenzo, thank you so much for your time today. Um, could you just kind of briefly describe Irpi Media and how you got involved? Yeah, Irpi Media is the first uh, investigative web magazine in Italy. Uh, we are the media outlet of Irpi, which, is, which stands for uh, Investigative Reporting Project Italy. We are a center for investigative journalism. And we, uh, and, and we are trying to cover uh, surveillance since uh, a couple of years, uh, at least, with, uh, with a number of contributors. And among them, there is Ricardo. And that's why uh, we teamed up for, uh, for this investigation. Fantastic. How, how did you both get into investigative journalism? I'm always fascinated with people's journeys. For me, uh, it was... Uh, I mean, uh, since the school of journalism, I was fascinated by investigation. Uh, and I realized that it was easier trying to do cross-border investigation just uh, rather than, uh, than uh, national investigation, because there was a, a, a broader audience first, and there was a broader number of uh, colleagues keen uh, in, uh, in collaborating uh, with, uh, with cross-border topics. And, and mafia is, is a very fascinating one, uh, subject. Uh, and, 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 and Italian reporters, are uh, there, there's a high demand for a <laughs> mafia expert uh, abroad. And, and that's how I, I found myself uh, in investigative journalism. So, so you, your kind of background is in investigating the mafia then? That was the starting point. Yeah. And that was the, the, the first uh, uh, expertise uh, ERP had at the very beginning. Now we, we, we try to, uh, to cover more subject. Uh, but at the beginning, we were basically the, the Italian reporters covering mafia everywhere in the world. Wow. And then you moved on to something safer, like government spy agencies. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what about you, Ricardo? Yeah, for me, it's a different story because my background is uh, I got a master's degree in mechatronic engineering. Wow. So I was on the side of studying technology and how it works. And then during my master's thesis, I realized that there was something missing in this whole technology sphere. So like no real uh, critical thinking in there. And I was also fascinating uh, while I was younger about journalism. Uh, so I, I tried to start writing about journalism, about tech and journalism. And then in the end, I ended up with this like huge curiosity regarding the surveillance market in Italy. Uh, uh, I, I've seen there were like stories, uh, infamous companies and so on. So I was like, okay, I would really like to dig into this. And then I met the guys from IRP and IRP Media, and yeah, I, I started collaborating with them. That, that, that was the, the spark that led me to the surveillance uh, sector in Italy. Brilliant, man. You've gone from a slightly kind of more lucrative industry in engineering to a bit of a yeah. less lucrative investigative journalism, but <laughs> far more interesting, surely. Indeed. Yeah. So I think today we're going to talk about, I think, the most recent stories that you've published. You published them in Italian first, um, and we're recording before the English versions, but the English versions will are published as well uh, by the time this goes out. Um, do you want to, should we maybe start on the first story, on Cyphergate? 
The, the first story is, um, is about this Italian company, which is quite new and it's training and it's gaining in momentum, at least in Italy and also abroad. The name of the company is Cyphergate. Um, this company uh, basically sells a wide range of products that go from um, active surveillance and intrusion to cyber, um, cyber security. So they offer both the offensive and defensive ones. Uh, in our first article, we dig into the offensive ones because uh, what was interesting about them is that they um, describe themselves as the, the, the new uh, leader in this market. And as a benchmark, they, they put in their uh, internal documents and presentations the name of two infamous companies, which are Palantir and NSO. Um, this is why we, we focused on them. The, their offensive tools are quite interesting because they both sell a product which is a sort of business intelligence platform called Decent, meaning uh, digital signal intelligence. Uh, and this platform uh, looks like the, the tools that Palantir offers. So basically it scrapes and collects information from the open web, so social media accounts uh, and other kind of data sets. And then thanks to algorithm, it can extract information from this data. An algorithm meaning that they have natural language processing algorithms, so they can extract meaning from this data, but they also include facial recognition, object recognition. So in this way, they can also like do a search via images and so on. Um, this is interesting, this decent platform, uh, because they describe this as a, as a tool to, to get the right information at the right time uh, at the right place. So they, they try to sell this technology both to the corporate sector and also to the government one. So it's, it's as if they want to cover the entire business. Uh, the other tool that we dig into uh, was the lawful interception system, which is called Epeius. And this is like uh, the tool that Cyphergate wants to use to enter into the market following the footstep of NSAO. Uh, this Epeius tool is already used by uh, some uh, prosecutor offices in Italy. It's basically a spyware. Uh, they use this to uh, retrieve data from uh, smartphones. So they can subtle inject this spyware, this Epeius in smartphones, and they can collect images, chats, uh, calendars, contacts, emails, and so on. Um, it's quite interesting because given that they gave these two pretty uh, impressive benchmarks, Palantir and NSAO, uh, it, it's as if they, although we all know the, the backstory of these two companies, so Palantir is selling uh, social media intelligence tools that, that help to surveil and monitor social media, they work for the uh, Pentagon, CIA, they, they are like quite famous, and NSAO as well, uh, with this recent story of uh, abuse of their spyware, uh, it was interesting to see how come that they put the benchmark with, with these companies. Uh, were they concerned about what, what these companies were doing? Is Cyphergate willing to, to follow uh, in the rabbit hole what these two companies have done? Are they concerned or not? And this was quite interesting to see that. Uh, it doesn't really look that like, given also that we tried to see in which kind of countries they want to sell. An addition about the context. Uh, one of the... Uh... Uh, interest for us uh, in uh, Cyphergate was also the corporate structure because uh, Cyphergate uh, is controlled by a company called Electronica, which is partially controlled by Leonardo, which is a public state company. Uh, every time that we try to uh, investigate uh, the surveillance system in Italy, we basically found we basically found out um, a kind of connection with Leonardo. Leonardo is always there because it's the Italian champion uh, in 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 the industry, uh, and in this case, uh, also through uh, a long list of partnership, which has not been uh, explicited uh, sometimes, uh, but which are there anyway. Uh, Leonardo is trying to use companies like Cyphergate to, uh, to, to, uh, to basically expand uh, 
his network of collaboration with uh, with countries and in uh, sectors that are not particularly uh, interesting for Leonardo as uh, as company by itself, but it's a kind of uh, broader system with Leonardo as the main pillar to 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 support everyone. So Leonardo buy Cypher-D or the. No, there's there's just a it's just a partnership contract, but but still there's a partnership contract contract, and there is also a share in the shareholder of uh, Leonard of uh, Cyphergate. Right, okay. So uh, on paper the, the the connection seems very weak, but if you look at the uh, at the at the big picture at the full picture, there are more connections, and 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 and. Also, the, 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 the aim is always the same. They're trying to, especially Leonardo in the last couple of years, uh, the company is trying to, to say explicitly that they want to set up a system uh, of companies uh, with, the same, uh, with the same aim to protect and safeguard the Italian interest. Obviously, through softwares and, and product to, to surveil and to export uh, the, this kind of system also elsewhere in other countries. And that's how we start digging into, uh, into the, the connection with the UAE, uh, because uh, Cyphergate uh, as um, in, in, in their list of clients, there is also Mubadala, which is a joint, uh, which is a development fund based in, uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, um, and these, uh, this investment fund in, uh, uh, in Abu Dhabi is basically trying to uh, set up a proper uh, system, uh, national system of companies uh, involved in the in the surveillance market uh, in in the Gulf area, uh, and Cyphergate is among the, the the provider of the technology. One of the problem in this case for uh, for investigative journalism journalist is trying to uh, to find the, the the license export to understand exactly what is the the. the the features of the product sold in in, in a context like uh, the UAE, which are not a safe country, especially in terms of uh, of human rights violations. Right, because it's not like there's just somewhere you can go to to see which technologies that surveillance company has sold, or even exactly. the transparency as compared to, for example, if they were selling military equipment. Exactly, exactly, and this is a, uh, this is exactly the the case. One of the problem with the product uh, of Cyphergate is that they they are labeled as dual use because they can be used for military and for civil purposes. And in this case, according to the replies we uh, we received from Cyphergate, uh, the products sold in the UAE are civil goods, so there's no license at all. Uh, so basically, you can you can try to you can try to uh, to to find out what kind of product are sold only through internal documents and through internal presentation, uh, uh, tweets, uh, press release, and documents coming directly from uh, from the from the company. Uh, and You're trying to find how, out basically how a very well-connected secretive spy agency is selling to a very secretive and powerful intelligence agency. That's the task, basically. Yeah, that's the task. And 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 and, and again, one of the way uh, in this specific context, one of the uh, one of the interesting aspect was also the internal fight. Uh, among uh, among the Emirati uh, and among the, the different princes uh, of the Emirati in order to control the surveillance industry uh, in the countries. Uh, and that's, and I mean, the, probably, because this is just an assumption, we can, we can, we can say thanks to the, uh, to the evidence we have, but this is, still an assumption 
Cyphergate is participating to this to this internal fight in the Emirati uh, because because Mubadala, uh, the 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 client we mentioned before, uh, is uh, belongs basically to one of the galaxy of one of these princes who is uh, who wants to take over the control of, of the surveillance industry in the UAE. Uh, and I mean, in this case, uh, we are talking about geopolitical uh, consequences of uh, the choice made by the company to sell in, uh, the, their product in a country unstable and unsafe like the uh, UAE. And this is why uh, this story matters. And this is why this story has consequences that goes beyond the uh, simple uh, selling of a surveillance tool. There are the, the, uh, there is more than this. Uh, there are political consequences for, for, for this. And like, what is the record of using surveillance in the Emirates? Because it's usually kind of held up as somewhat of um, more economically progressive part of the Gulf region. Um, do you know anything about the use of surveillance and its general human rights record in the Emirates? We looked into this because uh, one of the most recent news was regarding the Prime Minister uh, of the Emirates, uh, the, the Prince of Dubai, which uh, used um, uh, Pegasus, the NSA of spyware, to monitor uh, his ex-wife and uh, her lawyers, which uh, were based in the UK. And this was uh, quite recent news given a UK court uh, claimed that this happened. So this was already one of the cases of abuse. But when we look more generally to the recent past of the UAE, we see, for example, that the presence of dark matter, this company, which was basically uh, started off as a, at the beginning, uh, there was a, a team of uh, U.S. citizens working for the UAE within Project Raven, which was a, a, a secret project that was developing tools to, to carry out surveillance on behalf of the UAE. Uh, this Project Raven later on ended up in the hands of Dark Matter, this Abu Dhabi-based company, uh, which basically developed uh, monitoring tools, spywares, to spy on nearby uh, countries. For example, they, they spied on the Emirate of Qatar, but also on the citizens in the UAE. So we have a track record of violations done by uh, digital technologies in the UAE, which is well known, uh, well documented. There's, there's been lots of investigations regarding this. And just recently, um, a human rights activist from Saudi Arabia sued Dark Matter and three uh, US citizens that helped the company with uh, giving out uh, zero days, so vulnerabilities that, that were meant to be used in order to inject the spyware. So we know that the UAE is prone to abuse this kind of technology. And it was really uh, worrisome to see that Suffragate was willing to sell to this country. Albeit they, they were selling to this investment company, Mubadala, and also uh, to the prince, to, to the Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, which is uh, the vice supreme commander of the, U, of the UAE. And it was interesting. And also part of the difficulties in our uh, investigation was that the company claimed uh, that this technology was only going to be used for the corporate sector. So basically, uh, according to them, they didn't sell this for governmental uses. But at the same time, from some articles that we found online, it was written that the Moment Bizan Yed was going to use this platform, this business intelligence platform for its personal interests. So to monitor uh, what was happening around him. And this is quite concerning from our perspective. And, and when you said that it's classified as a civilian product, that means that um, the Italian authorities have no say or insight into who it's sold to and no control over that, is that right? Exactly. Uh, also in terms of possible pattern that um, the civil society can follow to, uh, to try to understand what we have at stake uh, in this case, 
I mean, the possibilities are very limited because we can't file any freedom of information request to any industry because there are no license, no public license involved. So it's just a corporate contract between, uh, between two parties and it's a private matter. So uh, basically you can't, you can't get anything. Uh, even if there is a, a uh, at least partially and it, uh, a public state interest in, in, in the company, there's no way to, uh, to change this. I mean, it's, uh, there, there's a huge problem of transparency every time that you came across civil goods like this. And it's, it's other product. You said it was a form of spyware, so kind of similar to one sold by NSO Group, which is, is quite notorious now, company based out of Israel, that um, its products were used to target human rights defenders and journalists around the world. And they sell a similar product to that. They have this product, but they didn't sell it to the UAE. So they, they claim to have only sold the uh, desync platform. So this social media intelligence, business intelligence platform. But what was really interesting, uh, thanks to digging into the hacking team emails that were published years ago by WikiLeaks, uh, is that we found a reference to one of the capabilities that this decent platform has. Basically, this platform can collect information from social medias, online, that kind of databases, but they can also interface with data uh, collected from lawful interception tools. This is why one of the emails between the CEO of Hacking Team and the, C and the then CEO of Cyphergate, they were discussing about the possibility to integrate RCS. RCS is the platform developed by Hacking Team to basically carry out lawful interception. So what they were saying was like, uh, we sell DSYNC, this gathering platform to analyze information, but we can put on top of this also uh, lawful interception tools. So we would like to integrate your platform into this one. So what does this mean? That uh, they might be not carrying out interception themselves directly, Cyphergate, but at the same time, they can easily collect, analyze, and provide you information based on uh, intercepted data. And, and this is quite worrisome if we look if we put this in perspective with respect to what we were previously talking about regarding the Emirates. Uh, also, we, if we think to the past, they, they used the uh, three different hacking tools against, against Ahmed Mansour, the, the so-called million-dollar dissidents, because uh, the Emirates tried to hack into this, uh, his devices using hacking team tools, uh, FinSpy tools, and then NSA uh, Pegasus as well. So uh, this becomes also a matter of what the company declares to the states and what they actually are selling there. Because, for example, they told us it's civil goods. So there's no lawful interception. There's, there's no technology in there that can be considered dual use. But then where should we draw the line? I mean, if this platform can suck into intercepted data, analyze this interception, and provide useful information to uh, police agencies and other authorities in the Emirates, where should we draw the line? Is it really civil goods? And also, does social media intelligence like collecting information openly available online, which they the company itself says that this company, uh, this 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 data that we collect, it's not to be considered as private data. You know, it's available online, so there's no real infringing on that. But then once again, uh, this could be like monitoring activities of people that might be protesting against the the American government. So. Is that really only civil good? Because probably the, the dangers are quite real. Well, I mean, definitely. If you kind of look at the amount of information you can get through open source materials, I mean, I think people would be shocked, A, at how much information you can get, and B, at what is actually considered open source techniques. Like, I mean, it goes well beyond, I think, people's expectations of what they could get. And I think, like, to say that it's just a purely civilian good and therefore doesn't isn't controlled isn't quite right because it's one thing to have access to all the data which is obviously a huge issue but it's kind of meaningless unless you have this kind of black box software system that's able to analyze it um, and then basically give that intelligence to the customer so it's absolutely pivotal i think in any state's kind of surveillance architecture 
that decent system. At least in this case, uh, the company we, we pushed the company to to answer to this question, and they told us that they, they didn't provide these capabilities to the UAE. So once again, they're claiming that they only saw the decent platform used for uh, social media intelligence, business intelligence, but there's no integration. We've intercepted data. This is what they uh, stated to us. Yeah. And, and also in the other uh, case of foreign countries where uh, you have the same technology, it's not clear exactly what technology they export for which purposes and where. Uh, because, for example, they mentioned just a, a region in uh, Central Europe uh, and uh, South America, but they don't mention any specific countries. And there could be uh, potentially uh, sensible countries uh, for uh, for these uh, for these technologies, like Mexico, for example, or Kyrgyzstan or Tajikistan in uh, uh, in Central Asia. Uh, and I mean, uh, this is another lack of transparency that we noticed during during the investigation. And to be clear, this level of transparency isn't just important. So we know what the company is doing and who it's selling to. It's like a key safeguard when it comes to protecting people's rights around the world. Because if we don't know um, what that company is selling and to who, then we don't know the kind of risks that are associated with that. And then particularly if it is like a controlled technology, whether the government that's authorizing that technology is doing so um, correctly, basically, if it's following its own laws and policies, so we need that level of transparency to know if it's following its own rules. And over the decades, um, we kind of got to a decent level with that with regards to military and arms exports. So, for example, in Italy and in other countries, you would be able to see if they were selling fighter jets to a country. If, a, if um, government's authorities had negotiated a contract, then they would have to, for example, tell parliament, tell the public, and that would be a matter of public discussion. Um, but with these kind of surveillance tools, there's just no transparency input. So you can't have that level of discussion with our government agencies. And that stops that kind of protection being put in place with these types of technologies. So stepping back from Cyphergate for a minute, is the Italian surveillance sector, is that quite large or is it relatively few companies? The sector is actually quite large. We have lots of companies selling these kind of surveillance technologies. And they're also, uh, famous abroad, if, for example, we, we look at the agenda of uh, international events such as the ISS that takes place in Europe, in Prague, but also like in the uh, South Asia, we see uh, a couple of interesting and famous companies such as ARIA, uh, IPS, uh, that sell this kind of technology. And one of the reasons why we, we can think of this large uh, markets, uh, large environment. Uh, it's because probably in Italy, uh, thanks to the activities carried out by public prosecutors and so on, there is a, a free market of these technologies. For example, in one of the slides that we got from Cyphergate, the company estimates that there's a market value regarding lawful interception in Italy around uh, 36, uh, not three, uh, around, I got it, 36.3 million euros. And they were trying to get into this, uh, this market, uh, signing a contract with another company that was already selling these technologies to public prosecutor offices, which is called CEO, SIO. Uh, so this is quite interesting. Could you see that's, that's, that this market, that it's self-sustaining itself, public prosecutor offices need to do this kind of interception activities. Uh, at the same time, there are companies that are pushing for this and new companies that, uh, that are born later on, for example, Cyphergate, Cyphergate was founded in 2014. They're trying to put their foot inside this market, signing this contract, trying to leverage other connections and so on. So the, the market in Italy is quite big. We see maybe companies uh, falling down. If you think, for example, regarding hacking team, which after being hacked, they're, they're, they've been acquired by another company and now changed their name into Memento Labs. But we see also newer ones coming forward and also expanding even abroad. So this is like a, a concern in Italy, at least. Uh, when you say they were kind of developed or um, kind of trading to serve the public prosecutors, 
do you, do you know the legal framework around that? Do you generally need like a warrant or judicial oversight for any type of surveillance activity in Italy? You have to ask uh, a judge uh, which is in charge to, uh, to evaluate the preliminary uh, investigation uh, to, um, for, an, uh, for an authorization for every, uh, uh, every interception and every wiretapping that, that the prosecutor wants to do. Uh, so there is always a judge uh, who uh, has to approve uh, the movement and, and, the, and the choices of the, of the prosecutor. And it's just one kind of safeguard, but there's obviously all kinds of issues even with that system. But then when you're talking about these companies then selling these exact same products to countries that lack basic rule of law, where you know this intelligence agency is essentially there to keep those in power in power, um, you know, the idea that it's the same system that be used for the exact same purposes for, you know, in the public interest is just kind of a fantasy, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and, and there is also the problem of the ownership of the, uh, of the data that are intercepted, uh, the wiretappings and, and, uh, and this kind of stuff, which is not so clear even in Italy. There are cases uh, like for, with another company, Area, uh, where basically the same, uh, the same wiretappings that uh, uh, used by the prosecutor were also stored in a server uh, of uh, which was owned by by the company itself, mm. uh, so, and 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 that was a really big problem uh, because uh, according to the law, this sensitive data should be stored only uh, in uh, infrastructure owned by the by the state and by the prosecutors. Uh, uh, so. Uh, even in Italy, you can have you can have grey areas. Uh, I can't imagine what kind of uh, what what could be the possible outcome in countries like the UAE or or Mexico or the other that we mentioned before. Absolutely. So Leonardo also comes up in the second investigation, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, it comes up because uh, we were trying to look into the. Uh, into the think tank sector, because this is one of the way to promote the surveillance industry and to explain the importance of the surveillance industry in the world. Uh, and Leonardo obviously is pioneering all the, all the market in Italy. And uh, the company has just uh, set up uh, uh, their, their own think tank called the Medor, uh, which is uh, chaired by a former interior ministry, uh, minister in Italy, uh, who is uh, Marco Minniti. And uh, this combination is really interesting and fascinating for, uh, for, uh, uh, from the Italian perspective, because we have uh, one of the, of the interior minister uh, who, uh, basically invested more uh, in, uh, in all the security uh, narratives during his mandate, uh, who is now uh, chairing uh, the leading uh, think tank of the leading company in the surveillance and security and defense sector in Italy. Uh, and uh, since the very beginning, it was very clear that the uh, that the aim of the of the think tank was to promote the Italian system where once again the same that we mentioned before so these these capacity uh, of the of the Italian companies to collaborate together in order to promote a, a complete product to secure communication to uh, to surveil uh, people to control borders, every kind of need that you can have. The, the idea is to promote a kind of made in Italy also in this, uh, in this field. Uh, and one of the uh, um, interesting things that we, that we discovered during, during this investigation is also the fact that Cyphergate uh, is selling one of their products to uh, uh, Medor 
and uh, this product uh, is the decent uh, uh, technology. So once again, uh, um, social media analysis, uh, open source in, uh, intelligence, all this stuff for Medor is provided by uh, this tool uh, made by uh, Cyphergate. Uh, and another interesting uh, thing concerning Minniti and his presence in a, in, a, in a Leonardo think tank is the fact that Minniti, uh, when he was uh, interior minister, he was promoting uh, border control uh, and, and every kind of uh, system to, to, to monitor the sea border uh, uh, in, with, with the aim to prevent uh, migrants to, to, to cross the Mediterranean Sea uh, on one side. And on the other side, he was promoting also a new uh, border management system for the southern border of Libya. Uh, even if he was uh, interior minister, so he was supposed to, uh, to deal with the interior affairs. He was very keen on uh, dealing with, uh, with foreign countries. And uh, this kind of international uh, status that he has was among, uh, uh, among his, uh, his skills. Uh, and, uh, and this was one of the reasons why he was the one chosen by Leonardo. Uh, to chair these think tanks. In the list of greetings that he received from, uh, uh, from different countries, uh, we, we noticed that every time uh, he was thanked as friend, uh, he was uh, introduced by other ministries as a friend, as someone very close to their, to their country. Uh, and uh, within the, the list of activities, uh, of the first activities uh, done by Medor, we can see, for example, uh, uh, scholarship in, in Morocco, uh, but also the export of some technologies in order to uh, control coronavirus uh, in uh, Niger, which is one of the country where Minniti uh, was uh, was more present during 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 this mandate. So uh, the these kind of this kind of interaction between uh, the corporate sector and politics uh, in the case of, uh, of Medor seems uh, seems pretty new for 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 the Italian context because this is the first time uh, when um, when a corporate. Uh, has uh, his own uh, think tank uh, as a sole shareholder, basically. Uh, and it, it seems also a way to, to try to uh, change uh, the way uh, Italy uh, has uh, uh, runs its diplomatic relationship with, uh, with some countries, because the trade-off provided by a think tank like Medor could be different from the trade-off that you can have from, from an official part of the, of the government. Uh, but this political connection with Minniti is really, it, it's really clear and it's really solid as well. It's, it's like such a brazen nexus between the corporate and government sector. And you can only imagine what kind of initiatives they'd be recommending. I'm guessing they're not recommending safer routes for people to come to Europe. Exactly. And, and the other interesting thing is that they are trying to sell technology as a political uh, solution for very complex problems like migration. Uh, or from my personal opinion, I think that uh, this is the most problematic aspect of these think tanks because they are trying to overcome some in some ways uh, politics and the political solution because they are trying to sell something else that looks like technical or uh, or technological but it's i mean it, it has the, its own uh, political consequences and do you think they're kind of ex explicitly trying to follow uh, 
a US model because these kind of think tanks are quite prevalent in the US, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, we had an interview with a with an an with an analyst in Italy uh, who wrote a book about think tanks uh, and the Anglo-Saxon model, especially the American one, but also the British one. Uh, are the model for uh, for for uh, for Miniti actually since his, since the very beginning uh, in Italy usually think tanks are uh, are basically PR agency for uh, for politician that's how uh, that's how they works usually uh, Miniti was the first one who tried to. Uh, set up a, a, a think tank which was more focused on corporate uh, and on intelligence as well invited uh, uh, former members of the army as well to join uh, his former think tank when he was still a, a politician and he chose to join leonardo when he quit from from the italian parliament and that's another interesting uh, aspect Usually, uh, these kind of connection are built during uh, the period of time when our, a politician is at the parliament. Not in this case, uh, because Miniti tried to make things uh, somehow uh, clearer, uh, and he wants to stand for a uh, to stand for a company rather than for a, for for a party or a parliament. And you mentioned there Libya and Niger. Um, I think in your piece you called it the um, Europe's southern border. With Miniti uh, and with other uh, interior ministries, one of the uh, one of the attempt of the Italian government was to externalize the control of, of of the border and to try to draw the the Italian border southern and southern every time. Basically, the idea is to uh, give the technology to, uh, to manage the borders to countries uh, who, are, uh, who lack this kind of, this kind of technology uh, in exchange uh, for, uh, for basically uh, the, 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 um, the control of the migrants the aim is always uh, to uh, stop the migration flows towards Italy. Uh, and this, uh, this strategy has been uh, initiated in 2015 uh, with the uh, EU-Africa uh, summit in Malta. And uh, Italy was always pioneering this kind of, this kind of diplomatic relationship with uh, the African countries. Uh, the framework is always uh, tackling the roots of migration, but uh, in reality, the trade-off is always uh, a technological cooperation uh, between Italy and these countries in order to prevent migration flows towards Italy. And Niger and Libya are among the key uh, countries for uh, for this strategy. Uh, Niger, for, because it's a, um, a transition country, a transit countries, uh, and Libya, because it's the main departure of the migrants uh, coming from, from the Mediterranean Sea to Italy. And, and what is the treatment of people inside Libya, particularly with regards to its uh, security forces? According to uh, the UN um, panelists uh, of the UN panel of experts uh, of Libya, uh, these people are treated like slaves, basically, uh, and um, the human rights are constantly violated uh, within uh, the detention centers uh, in Libya. Uh, and despite uh, all the reports and all the accusation uh, made uh, at international conferences, at the international level, uh, against uh, these, uh, these security forces in Libya, Italy uh, is keeping on financially sustaining uh, these detention centers. 
and uh, one of the framework uh, is border control uh, um, and the uh, the money uh, which are uh, destinated to uh, these uh, security forces are european money as well because they come from uh, not just from the italian uh, the italian budget but also from the european trust fund uh, set up in order to uh, to tackle uh, the migration uh, route. I think that this this is one of the outrageous cases where you can you, you can see uh, quite clearly uh, cooperation money diverted to support uh, technology uh, uh, and um, technology provided to security forces, which are also violating human rights. But still, uh, despite all the uh, discussion also within uh, the Italian parliament, the, uh, the financial support for the Libyan forces is still there. And I guess what, one aspect that of your report that I find so interesting is that we usually kind of think of these as government policies, the government um, basic trade-off that they're saying, we know this is going to lead to human rights abuses, but we're going to do it anyway because our main priority is stopping migration. But I guess what your report exposes is just the kind of risk of a corporate influence within this kind of decision-making that's going on in the background that I think most citizens, I mean, certainly I don't really have any insight into. Yeah, exactly. And this corporate influence, I think, was there since the very beginning. Now it's, it's clearer also because the infrastructure to influence uh, this, diplomatic, uh, this diplomatic discussion between countries uh, is more complex now, and, uh, but it's probably also more efficient. At the beginning, uh, also uh, once again in the case of Libya, uh, it was simply uh, Silvio Berlusconi, for example, in, in uh, 2008, uh, who was uh, who was presenting uh, the border uh, surveillance system uh, provided by Celex, which is part of the Leonardo Group, by the way. Uh, Berlusconi presented this system to Gaddafi because he was at the time the the, the president of Libya, uh, and he did it in a simply as a kind as a friend of of Gaddafi and this was one of the possible trade-off of the agreement in order to stop migration uh, and the agreement was uh, uh, was the one of 2008 now this this influence must must be uh, must be framed in a in a different way it must be more complex there simply the prime minister who is saying to his friend, look, we have this technology you can use to, to stop migrants. And what kind of um, work do you think European media will be focusing on in the coming months and year? I think that this influence of the corporate to the, uh, to, to, to the political choices and, and the diplomatic relationship should be uh, one, of the, one of the main uh, topic. Uh, we, we, try, we try to to, to dig into the, uh, the relationship also of any, the, uh, oil, uh, the oil and gas company in Italy, because it, uh, this company is the other major player to influence the, the, the diplomacy of Italy. Uh, and in that case, uh, uh, the impact is on uh, the, the environment, probably, because of the nature of, of, of any. With Leonardo, is uh, the, 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 the aspect that is affected is the one of security and uh, defense uh, and surveillance as well. And, I mean, uh, I think that this, this is the kind of uh, investigative reporting that could uh, affect po uh, politics uh, in a, in a different way, uh, not just not just talking, uh, not just ex exposing personal scandals, but with uh, 
but trying to uh, to investigate on on more systematic subjects. Yeah, and also uh, something that emerged from the stories of Cyphergate and Medor is this theme of health surveillance, which is yeah. directly connected to the pandemic. And this might be something worth following because uh, at the peak of the pandemic, or let's say at the beginning of the pandemic, lots of technological solutions were proposed, uh, both within companies and at large, to be used by governments. And it's interesting to see, as two years already has passed, what kind of solutions are still in place, what companies are still offering. So I forget this offer is offering a tool to, which is called HITS, uh, in which is aim is to monitor uh, close contact between people. It's an app that you install on your device. And health surveillance was a, a, a theme of the recent articles brought by Medor. So they're saying like, okay, we are uh, financing scholarships and so on, but also the subject of health surveillance is something to bear in mind, something we should uh, leverage somehow. Because you know, you go to foreign countries and you you show how health surveillance has become uh, an issue. It's important to monitor. And this is going to be like, I think, quite interesting to see how this will develop uh, in the following years. And it's quite convenient that their solution to COVID also involves more surveillance and them making money, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, happy coincidence. Ricardo Lorenzo, um, I mean, the kind of themes that you touched upon there, the corporate ca capture of policymaking, it's like, it's, it's so easy to happen nowadays and like really one of the best safeguards that we have against it is investigative journalism and the kind of stuff that you guys are doing so thank you so much even if it is quite um, a risky domain for you guys to be in uh, but hopefully less risky than the mafia i guess so thank you so much <laughs> where, where, uh, where where can people find the articles you can find articles on uh, erpmedia.erp.eu uh, and we have also um, uh, a part of the website which is in English. So you also for English reader, uh, uh, we will provide articles. Brilliant. And we have links as well on privacyinternational.org as ever. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about our guests and their work in the description or on our website, pvcy.org forward slash order pill. Music courtesy of Sepia.